0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So the title of today's message is Loyalty, because I didn't say that in the first service. And so we're saying it now and um we've come to this topic um in a slightly different way because every verse you are going to hear today you've heard before there's nothing new i'm going to say i'm just hoping that god transforms it when he, when you hear it you know the same god that adds extra to our ordinary i'm leaning on him right now that there will be extra that will be added to this ordinary in the mighty name of jesus amen Um, But what we're going to be doing is comparing these simple verses and using um, some research that had been done by some gentleman. But before we go into that, the anchor verse is in Matthew 28. Um, I wanted to tell you why we're looking at it this way. Um, I said earlier in the first service that in the teenage church right now, we have a series going on, and it's about science versus the Bible. I am a firm believer. That there's nothing new that science will bring about now or find out that wasn't in the Bible. It was always there. We just didn't know what the Bible meant. You know, and there are three examples that they used in teenage church this morning. Before we go into our, our service, if you haven't realized, I'm from the teenage church. <laughs> there are three examples they used. Um, Jonah, what Jonah said in Jonah 2, 1 to 6. And Jonah was talking about map bottoms of the mountains that you know this was when Jonah was thrown into the water and he was talking about bottoms of the mountain you know he said he spoke about going down to the bottoms of the mountain and you know we've read that verse very many times and just when they say bottom of the mountain you just think okay maybe a little hill in under the water but I think in the past I don't know how many years ago scientists found out that there is a mountain the mountains underwater one but there's a particular mountain that is taller than the highest mountain on the surface of the earth. So, the highest mountain on the surface of the earth is Mount Everest, and it's not even to 30,000 feet. But this particular mountain under the water is 35,000 feet high. And it was always there, science just didn't know. Guess who knew? The God that put the mountain there in the first place. They used another example in teenage church this morning. It was from Job 38, verse 16. This was Job talking about springs of water under the sea. And it's really a bit difficult to understand. The sea is water in the first place. So how can you have a spring in water? But you see, because the Bible has said so, it is so. And only about, I think in 1977, did they find out, it was discovery for them, it was in journals everywhere, that there was a hot and cold spring under the water. I think it's in um, Galapagos Rift, it's in Ecuador, it's about 2.5 kilometers long, and there's a hot water spring under the sea. Now, Job did not have the equipment to go under the sea, but Job had access to the God that made the sea the last one before we go into what we're doing today is that in hebrews hebrews say something so hebrews we're familiar with in 11 chapter 3 that creation is made of particles indiscernible to the eyes and we've read it and glossed over it a lot of times but scientists in the 19th century found out that everything we see is made up of atoms that are indiscernible to the eyes. So they come out and they say, we have discovered it. The whole world <laughs> matter is made up of things that are indiscernible. But Hebrews said it. So the way I learn and understand in the Bible is that I take something that is here right now. And I use it to understand something that God said a long time ago. That, ex- that is the explanation of what we're going to be doing today. Because um, we're going to be looking at something that is here right now, some article I read in Harvard Business Review about loyalty, and we're going to take it to what God said a long time ago. So bear with me as we talk about this Harvard Business Review study. So some gentleman that works for Bain & Co. Bain & Co. is a consulting company; it's one of the top, I think, four in the world. So he and his colleagues at work, you know, in the in the in, whilst carrying out their duty, found out, stumbled upon some concept that they decided to do some research in. The guy's name is Frederick Reicheld. And yeah, I already said that he he works for Bain and Co. So he they came upon this concept called net promoter scoring. We'll learn a little bit more about net promoter scoring as we go ahead. But, you know, we'll take about five things from his research, then we'll go into the Bible. So the first thing he did was use a definition of loyalty um, that I found interesting. That definition is the willingness of someone. He defined loyalty as the willingness of someone, a customer, an employee, a friend to make an investment or personal sacrifice in order to strengthen a relationship. It defined loyalty as the willingness of of someone, a customer, an employee, a friend, to make an investment or personal sacrifice in order to strengthen a relationship. I just remembered something I forgot. I wanted to say this to everyone that is a student in this class, in this church, (laughs) or someone, anyone that is trusting God for a difficult business decision or knowledge to make that is impossible for you to fail if everything that is happening in this world was written already in the Bible or God already knew it so that I encourage you that whatever it is I don't know quantum physics all those had math I found math difficult all those things the source of all knowledge is God so that if you connect to the Holy Spirit and you say to him help me It will make everything as clear as day. Amen. So we go into loyalty. (laughs) The definition, I've said the definition twice. Um, Then he said, the second thing he said from this is research, and for those that are interested in following up, the research was published in December 2003. The title of the article was The Number You Need to Grow, and it was published in Harvard Business Review. Okay, back to our topic. He said, loyalty is much more than repeat purchases. You know, for a lot of people, they measure loyalty. Companies measure loyalty, like how many people that buy my product over and over again. But he said, that's not a good measure of loyalty. That the fact that people buy something over and over again does not mean that they're loyal to that product. In my mean, for instance, the reason why I buy a particular detergent is because that's the only one available in my area. It doesn't mean that if I had alternatives, I wouldn't be buying something else. So that we should stop measuring loyalty by repeat purchases. He now said that they found out, because you know researchers, they'll put people together, administer questionnaires. They now found out that loyalty could be actually measured. Because loyal customers behave in a particular way. The loyal's customer talk to their friends, colleagues, everyone they meet about the company. They can't keep quiet about it. And it makes sense. You know, so if we sit here, have you anyone here that has just used a new product? For the women, maybe a facial product, and you pick up your friend and you say, I have just used this. It worked like. Or for the men, since what we talk about is too is not serious enough for you. When you talk. <laughs> When you talk about, I don't know, maybe a car, maybe let's say you are loyal to the BMW brand, and when they talk about the cars, I don't really understand what they're talking about. You know, the the engine power, it rolls like, I'm like, the car started and moved. I don't know anything you're talking about engine power. But you can't keep it if you are loyal about a product. I mean, you must tell someone about it. So what they said was, loyalty is evidenced by the customer telling other people about that product. We're gonna go into the Bible now because like I said, every new thing I learn, you know, not every, but most things, there is a source in the Bible. So what he was saying really wasn't, yes, it's new to us, but it's not new to us because it was in the Bible a long time ago. Psalm 34 verse eight, NLT version. It really, it was a psalmist recommending God as if he were a product. The psalmist was saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. It was a recommendation. It was a call to action. In Matthew 12, 30, the Bible says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You know, when I read that part of the Bible, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's harsh. It's harsh, but it's true. If you're not talking about a product, you're not really for that product. I am not in any way comparing God to a product. We're just drawing parallels. Psalm 96 verse 3 actually is a call to action for us to put our reputation on the line. It's saying that we should publish God's glorious deeds amongst the nations. That we should tell everyone about the amazing things He does. You know why? Loyal customers bring more customers to the company. And that's number four thing from the from the business study. They found that people that were loyal to a comp- company will bring other people to a company. It's like a TV show that you like, and you're like, watch it, watch it. It's on channel XYZ at 2 p.m. And you're actually drawing people to watch that program because you believe in it, and you are ready to put your reputation on the line. These two Bible verses, the following two Bible verses are important to elucidate this point. In Matthew 4:19. Jesus said something very instructive. We pray about it. We sing the song. And it's about the fishers of men concept. Jesus said, come, follow me. So that I can show you how to fish for people. What Jesus was saying is, in the year 2003, some guy is going to write a study. And in that study, he will prove that loyal people bring people to the company that they are loyal to. But you don't need to wait for the year 2003. I'm telling you right now, Come. Let me teach you how to fish, and then I'll make you fishers of men. Because it's not possible for you to be loyal and not become a fisher. Man, for Christ. 1 John um, 1 to 3, the Bible says, We proclaim to you what we have heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Loyalty brings a following. Loyalty brings a gathering. People gather together. You invite people. Some people invite people to their houses to come and watch a football match because they're loyal to a particular football club that is playing. That's how you're supposed to act. It's the same thing Christ is asking for us, of us, for us to do. I've said a lot. I'll summarize everything I've said in three, like three bullet points, then we'll we'll proceed. The first thing you know um, summary from things I've said so far is that loyalty is an action word it's not a passive reaction you can't be loyal about something and not act either by saying something either by physically going to carry somebody to your house to watch that show you know you will do something It's it's an active word it's an action word the second thing is from this Bible verses because we are loyal to Jesus Our reaction should be to learn how to fish and indeed fish. The third thing is, when we do this, it will end up in more people fellowshipping with Jesus and more people being loyal to Jesus' government. So that's like a brief summary of everything we've said so far. I've summarized because we're going into learning something new. It won't be new to anyone that is into customer loyalty or marketing in this room. And it's the net promoter scoring concept. So, what's a net promoter scoring concept? Very simple. They're going to put a diagram up on the page. It's that time when a company asks you maybe one or two questions, mostly one. And that question, um, before we go into the question, this morning I went onto SoundCloud um, to listen to worship from church, and I noticed something that had always been there, maybe, but I never noticed it until now. And they were asking me, how likely are you to recommend this app to someone else? And it had a zero to 10 rating. I'm like, I know what you're doing. What they're doing is trying to calculate the net promoter score. And that's what companies do to find out who is loyal, which customer is loyal to them so that they can make the customer even more loyal. Because when you do that, that loyal customer will recruit more customers to your business. So if the scale is up right now, okay, can we please put the scale up? It's a scale of one, zero to 10. And a company will typically ask you, how likely is it that you will recommend XYZ brand to a friend or colleague? And they'll just put the scale there in a questionnaire and all you have to do is pick one number. So you think of your experience with that brand and you're like, hmm, when I ate this biscuits, this is how we tasted. And you put, there must be a feeling you get from the product, and you rate it. If your score is between 9 and 10, when they collect the figures, they will put you in the promoter brand. It means that you are a loyal enthusiast, and that you will keep on buying and referring others. Not just buying, you'll be telling others to buy. If you are 7 to 8, they don't even use you in their study. They throw the numbers away. They're called passives, and is useless to the, to the research because you're neither here nor there. So they, they really want to gauge how you feel. Is Either you feel really strongly that it's not a good product, or you feel really strongly that it's a good product. For people that score between zero and six, they're called detractors. They're buying the product, but they're not really happy customers. And if you're not careful, these, pro- these people can damage your brand. And their negative feedback can actually affect you in a bigger way. So they know that this, we have um, X percent of detractors, and they, beginning, they start beginning to work on converting those detractors into promoters. So how do we do the net promoter scoring? Very simple. You give it to everybody you want to assess. You collate it, usually anonymous, so people can be truthful. You collate it and you do a simple subtraction. You subtract your detractors from the promoters. The figure you get will be indicative of how your customer base sees you. If you get a negative score, it means most of your customers are on the detractor side. If you get a positive score, it means most of your customers are on the um, promoter side. So the best score to get is 100. The worst score to get is minus 100. It's possible to get that low. Now that we're all perfect, we all know this net promoter score, I need to take it back to how does it concern us? This is a, this is a Sunday service. What are we talking about um, here? So net promoter score reminded me of a verse in the Bible. The verse is Revelation chapter 3, 15 to 16. Very familiar verse. And in illustrating this, I put the Bible verse, overlaid it on this net promoter score thing to, to bring the fact home to us. So they're gonna bring up the same whatever the diagram we saw before, but the second version that overlays Revelation 3:15 to 16. The Bible says, I know all the things you do. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of mouth. And it was, this was, I said in the first experience, was another example that I'm going to add to my book of examples where I said the Bible said it first. Because when you look at the cold section, it's talking about the detractors. You look at the lukewarm section, it's talking about the passives. In the research work, they throw this data out, it's not useful to them. And even God says, the kind of people that fall into this category, I will throw out, I will spit out. The hot section represents the promoters, obviously people that God likes. i want to spend a few minutes on this topic because I, I don't know, we should all think about the fact that every day in heaven, whether we know it or, or not, whether God doesn't call it this name, I'm sure he has a funky name for this. And I'm sure that we don't have to, because it can read into our hearts, we don't even need to respond to this question. Whether we know it or not, some form of net promoter scoring is happening. Because this letter was to Christians, it was to a Christian church. And it was saying to them, you are neither hot nor cold. It's happening, whether we're aware of it. The question is, what is my score so when I meet someone and I have this product this product that is not a defective product the kind of person we're talking about is the maker of the heavens and earth the person the service the product we're talking about is the God that made everything every time we testify we give a testimony He is our testimony. The one that suspends the world by his words. That's the product we're talking about. The God that says it and it becomes so immediately. We call him Elohim. The one that creates and was not created. That is this product we're talking about. We come here. We lift up our hands, and we're, we're, we're serious. We're not pretending. And I'm gonna use myself as an example so that um, you know I'm being truthful here. And we, we genuinely love God, and we, we truly are grateful for everything he's done. And we're being real. But then it's as if we have, we have some divisions in our life. We have categories. We, we put our lives and the people we meet into different categories. And we just have dividers in our lives. And sometimes we talk about Jesus. It's easy for us to talk about Jesus here. God has been good to me. I just want to come and talk about the goodness of God. It's easy for us to do it here. But sometimes our net promoter scoring when we meet people. Because remember, what the third thing we learned from the guy is that loyal people talk about the company to their friends, their colleagues, everyone they meet. Do we talk about Jesus to everyone we meet? It's a personal question, but whether you answer it or not, everyone has called for today. There are three things to take away from today's message. The first is that God is a God of loyalty. Actually, God is the definition of loyalty. I was joking in the first service, but I really meant it. When I said that, um, you know how they say, When you look into the definition, when you look into the dictionary and you see the definition of loyalty, you see God's picture beside it. It's true because God is loyal. Even before we knew him, he was loyal to us. The Bible says every morning he renews our own blessings. It doesn't matter what you did the day before. He wakes up and he says, that child is my child. He is the definition of loyalty. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Therefore, the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes His unfailing love to those who love Him and obey His command. That is loyalty. Lamentations three twenty two 22-24 says, The faithful love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. His, it is in his DNA to be loyal to us. Please let's write down Romans 3.38-39, and we'll read Romans 5.8, that says, God showed his great love, By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So the first thing we should take away from today's service is that God is a loyal God. God is the definition of loyalty. The second thing is that God expects loyalty from us. It's actually a requirement from this relationship. So he blesses us at all times. He gives us all those testimonies but he expects us to act in a certain manner. And that manner is to be loyal to him. And I believe that God expects loyalty from us because of the following Bible verses. The first one is the first out of the 10 commandments. The Bible says, you must not have any, any other God but me. That's in Exodus 2, 3. Romans 1, 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. We can write down Mark 8, 34 to 35, and read it later at our, at our, in our private time. But I believe that God requires loyalty from us. The third part, third thing to take away from everything that has been said so far, is that loyalty to God requires action. So what is this action? You know, we already said that loyalty is an action word. It requires us telling other people about his goodness. That's the first action. The second action is recommending his love and forgiveness to others. We're also supposed to model a life that encourages others to fellowship with him. The fourth action that this relationship demands of us is that we're supposed to lead other people to the saving knowledge of Christ and disciple those who have decided to take that decision. There are many things we're supposed to do and one thing I forgot to say in the first service is that we have resources available to us and I say us because, okay, yes, I haven't made that confession. I too fall into the category that I'm not quite sure what my net promoter score is from heaven because I can think of many opportunities that all I have to just say is, Jesus is. And I keep quiet. I keep quiet not because I'm ashamed of the gospel, of course not. But I, I say to myself, it's not the appropriate time. I don't want to disturb this person. I just met this person. we're on a plane and and the person paid for a ticket so that he could sleep but that is not what God requires so everything I'm saying I'm really I'm the first example I don't know if that makes you feel better makes me feel better to tell the truth but I, I think there are many opportunities that we might have wasted in talking about this product that we believe in honestly that's just what I believe, and that, and that you know, there are a lot of things that we can do to remedy the situation. Resources that are available is that we have an outreach team in this church. There are people whose job it is to—it's everybody's job, by the way—but they have a calling. Their ministry is to, you know, reach out to people. So if you are shy and you can't do it on your own, they're here. I don't know, Pastor Sotti, I saw him in first service. He's around somewhere. Speak to them and let them all teach us how to do this thing properly. You feel as if you don't know the right things to say. Really, sometimes the right thing to say is, you know what, do you believe in Jesus and take it from there? Sometimes the right thing to say is to talk about your personal story and take it from there. Okay. Um, There's some Bible verses that I think we should just write down. Acts 1 to 8, we're gonna pray that later, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15, it was a command. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. um, It's a very familiar verse to us. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure about this. I am with you even to the end of the age. Um, we'll go into John chapter 4 here, because I think it's a good story for us to end this topic at. It, it was a story that you know, showed what loyalty, um an example of loyalty but it also showed why it's not defined by how long you have used the product so so the the story was the story of the samaritan woman and the bible says in 4 john chapter 4 verses 28 to 30 that the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone come and see who come and see a man Who told me everything I ever did? Could it possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Before we read our next three verses, I think it's very instructive to think about what we just read. From the part of the Bible we didn't read, Jesus met this woman, asked her for water, had an interaction with her. So it was still the same day. But Jesus demonstrated something that he demonstrates in our midst all the time you know, and told this woman everything she had ever done. This woman did not wait to do discipleship class. She did not have the Holy Spirit. She did not have the Bible. All she did was run around telling her personal story. Now, this is instructive for everyone that is uncomfortable about this journey about talking about Christ. We're all there together. Even if it is only your testimony that you say out to people, that's all she did. And many people came streaming because of our testimony. I want to say something, and I'm going to apologize beforehand. and don't mean to offend anyone. I know that in church, you know, we do anonymous testimonies. Because sometimes we're just a bit shy to talk about testimonies. And sometimes they're really private. Or we're talking about somebody else's testimony. So, you know, we don't want to come out. But there is some power that comes when you stand here and tell the world what God has done to you. The reason why that is powerful is because somebody is sitting down there looking at you and saying, you, if God can do this for this person, then God can do it for me. So so I'm going to encourage you guys to come out and and say it. And another reason, I'm praying to God for something. And I have said, I said it to God, that once he gives me this thing that I'm praying for, I will do video testimony, video cast, um, SMS something. what's up i'm serious because nobody was there when i was crying out to god or the people that were there they were feeling sorry for me when i was crying out to god we come here and we we god please do this this god will do it again service do it and he does it and that testimony is supposed to bring other people to christ it's not as effective unless you're saying it yourself you know so i'm gonna god i'm saying it again do it for me i'll tell everyone not because i'm not shy i'm telling you i'm standing here and i'm shaking standing in front of you but i will do it because i know that there's power that comes from it therefore come and give your testimony amen so the people came streaming from the village to see him verse 39 to 42 39 says many samaritans from the village believed in jesus because of what the woman had said. The woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, from testimony to crusade, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that indeed he is the savior of the world. In reality, until some people hear your testimony, they are not going to know God. That's what I just believe. Because the way God has, well, he'll find a way to reach them. But I guess they would have reached God faster had they heard what he had done in your life. Not everyone is going to be spoken to directly by God. I know God saves some people by talking to them directly, waking them in the middle of the night and saying, follow me. But those experiences will be special. Most of the people will be saved by your testimony, by your invitation to church, by your um, evangelizing. So it's time to arise. It is time to stand tall. When they say freedom, freedom is not only freedom to have my husband or have my children or have my new house. Yes, that's true. Freedom is also to speak about Jesus freely. So, as God begins to set us free, I want us to use the little ways we have. You know, the small things. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. It's difficult. I'm telling you, I know. I know. But there are practical things we can do. To shift the needle. I have a friend who sells, we used to work together a long time ago but now I met her recently, she sells fabrics and her own way is that after she's you know sold something to you and she has your phone number, in short, once she gets your phone number she enrolls you into a whatsapp group where her pastor sends um, messages and I see, because I'm on that group, I see some people remove themselves from the group of course, that will happen. But let's imagine she adds 10 people and 8 people. Let's just even say 8 people go out. At least 2 more people have heard about Christ, right? That's our own way. I do business with you, you hear about my God. Simple. Now, we all have different ways we can influence people. Some of us will be directly, some of it will be through other means. I'm telling you, the outreach team has a lot of strategies they use to talk about Christ. And the reason why this is important is because heaven is scoring us right now. Heaven is scoring us. I'm scared of this assignment, was scared, still scared. But at least I know that uh, somehow my net promoter score has gone up. (laughs) So... So I'm telling you, every way, think about it. Everyone will be different. The important thing is, let people know. If you say indeed that this God is good, if when you say, this God is too good, oh, you mean it, then tell people to come and taste and see that your Lord is good. Amen. That's the end. Let's pray. Let's pray. Amen. With our eyes closed and our hearts open to heaven, whether we like it or not, our scoring is being done right now. If you know that when they ask you this question, I'm going to ask you the question now. You know that your own answer will be low on net promoter score. The question is, how willing would you be to recommend Jesus to your friend, neighbor, colleague? You know that when you put your rating, because you're not so willing, it will be low. If you're here in this place tonight, today, and you need boldness, you want God himself to help you because only God can help us. You know that you are between 0 and 6 Because you are not so sure You've never even done it before I'm going to ask that you please raise up your hands Raise up your hands to heaven Actually, if you are even 7 to 8 Raise your hands to heaven Be vulnerable to God He sees you anyway We're the ones that don't know (laughs) Okay, I can see some hands up (laughs) Raise it up properly, please It's to God, no one can see you Apart from me, that is let's let's pray together father in the name of jesus your word in acts verse chapter 1 verse 8 says we will receive power and after we receive that power we'll go about telling people about christ today we receive that power in our lives in the mighty name of jesus we receive freedom to speak about jesus freely in the mighty name of jesus We receive freedom for us not to be self-conscious when we're about to talk about Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. That boldness that turned Peter from someone that denied Christ to someone that was preaching and over 3,000 people could hear him without a microphone. That boldness, we receive it tonight, this evening, today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you glory. We exalt you because it will be so in Jesus mighty name. If there's anyone here that hasn't that doesn't even know this God that, you know, eyes eyes still closed, please. You are saying I don't even know the God. How can I recommend a product I haven't used? You are here and you're saying I want to know Jesus. I want to declare my loyalty to him. I think I love him, but I have never done that public declaration before. Still seated, you don't need to get up. I'd just like you to please raise up your hand so that um, the ushers can drop a card into your hand. You're saying, I want to know Jesus. Okay. For those who rated themselves 9 and 10, I hope that was the same rating heaven gave you. And I'll just encourage you to continue doing this. The rest of us that are behind, we're running up to catch up with you. Every opportunity we have, we will speak of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. And Jesus himself will be glorified. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. We have, thank praise God, we have our first opportunity to practice this. Even if you can't talk to people, you can invite them to church, right? Their Saturday worship experience come in. As many people as you know, give them that envelope and say, I go to God's favorite house. We have a Saturday worship experience. Join us. And God will bless you as you do so, in Jesus' name.